Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the Toolkit Depot studio. If you want to have your say on anything we talk about on the show today, you can on the Temper at Bedshed text line. That is 0487 736 736. Or you can give us a call on the open line on 13 12 55. Last Wednesday night, the West Australian Football Commission brought in its nine waffle clubs as well as West Coast and Fremantle and uh, cast a rather alarming picture of the state of WA football and the direction it's heading in, probably more to the point uh, than where it is at at the moment. We've got WAFC CEO Michael Roberts on the phone now to talk about that briefing and why it was done. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. So tell us why you briefed the clubs on these issues. Yeah, I think going back to your original point, it's the actual the waffle competition is a great competition. It's in it's in good shape at the moment. I think what we um, always doing is monitoring how we're actually tracking, and um, uh, some of those trends are probably if we keep going and we don't do anything about it, then we'll, we'll probably start to see some issues with the um, with the club, um, the clubs, and, and the competition as a whole. Um, you know, we focus on the relevance of the competition, so who's actually coming, um, what age group we've got, are we bringing new fans in, uh, the financial viability of, of the competition as a whole and our clubs, and then also the competitiveness and you know how even it is and what measures we've got in place. So we, we basically brought all the clubs together to say, this is where we're heading. Um, if we keep going the way we're going, without making any changes, we're, we're probably not going to um, be around for another 130 years like we uh, the, the rich history that we currently have. And... Um, so it really was that point to say, let's all work together. Let's get some agreed strategies around how we're going to um, you know, set the future so that uh, we are around for, uh, for another 130 years. It is a little bit alarming though, isn't it? Now, there's a number of um, facets you put to them and there's sustainability, there's competitiveness, and there's also probably fairness of the competition in the way it's set up. But the fact that four clubs... Um, lost money last year, the fact that a number of clubs have lost money every year for the last 10 years, and some of those losses last year were significant losses, that means that um, I guess there is a need for change in the short term and not just the medium and the long term. Yeah, look, clubs have, like any business, you you have um, ebbs and flows, and and some of those clubs had losses for particular reasons, like East Fremantle with their, their move from another um, from one venue to another, um, and look, some of the clubs are actually have done enough in the in the past to to be able to wear these. So while they're you know to, to put a stat up and say that um, half the clubs are losing money, it is a fact, um, and everyone's got reasons. But I think what we were doing is, is is saying that you know how do we actually start to look at measures, look at um, some commercial opportunities, um, and potentially we've got we've got nine clubs all doing the same thing. There's got to be some sort of business continuity that we can uh, we can look at that's um, going to be more efficient for all the clubs as well so it's uh, just one of those aspects to say here's some statistics um, they do paint a picture there's obviously some reasons for them but let's use that to to see how we can actually improve and I think the most positive thing about 
um, all of all of the workings that we've been doing and, and talk about strategy is that all of the clubs have said, you know, we, we do need to do something and we want to buy into this. So that's the most pleasing thing. And I think that's where we're going to get the greatest wins if we do it as a collective rather than individuals. So how did the clubs respond to the briefing, Michael? Um, look, this while it was a sort of call together and a line in the sand moment, um, we, we, we talk about this all the time. We talk about these matters. And I think that's probably another reason why we've we've done this now is to say we do talk about this a lot from a commission point of view we every board meeting every meeting we go to with clubs every weekend uh, we're constantly getting this the discussion around um, the, the fairness evenness of the competition um, the relevance of the competition and you know as as you know we we brought in uh, we had seen declining numbers in attendance so we invested in into a, a, a marketing campaign waffle win-win which We'd never done before um, just to try and promote the competition and, and show what we all know, or the people close to the, the waffle know, that it is, it's a great competition. The standard is extremely high. Um, it's a great experience for, for families to come down and you know, have a kick on the oval at, at, uh, during the breaks and listen to the coaches. And um, it, it really is that community feel with a great standard of football. So bringing in the, the campaign was something that we did to, to address and, and try um, you know, a new thing that we hadn't done before, but um, things like this aren't going to work in, in isolation. We actually need to, to um, change other aspects of the game to make sure that people are going to keep coming back. What are you seeing in terms of early feedback from that marketing competition? Are you seeing positives or are we seeing not much of an effect? No, look, we, we saw some really great numbers um, early on. Um, you know, we've got a couple of clubs who have seen their average um, attendances double. Um, and also their gate takings double. So, you know, that, that's really pleasing. Um, it, it's an ongoing, it, it's a long game. It isn't a short game. We're always going to get some, I guess, some sugar hits because um, it was something new and, and reminding people about Waffle. Um, unfortunately, the one thing we can't change or, or impact is the weather. And we, we've had a couple of um, pretty poor weekends, like WA Day uh, weekends, usually our biggest <clears throat> for the year. And, um, you know, to have lightning and, uh, and all sorts of things there was... Uh, was pretty disappointing, but um, you know this is a long game, and, and a lot of people are talking about it. A lot of people are um, saying that um, you know it's, it's really good to see Waffle being promoted. So I think uh, at the end of the year we'll, we'll be able to assess this. Um, we're hopeful. We're, we're pretty sure that uh, we'll be trending upwards, and uh, it, it's one one measure that uh, we'll, we'll start. Hopefully, uh, a few things of uh, changes into the future. What other levers can you pull to, let's say, competition evenness for, for starters? It, it's always struck me as strange that Claremont gets what it gets with the, with the proximity to the private schools, which is a, a, a big advantage, the, the economic demographic of the general area. And, um, and I can say this without, um, uh, w- without any fear of being biased because I live in Claremont. I live 100 metres down the road from Claremont Oval. But um, while Perth is almost at the other end of the scale. Are there levers you can pull, country zones, those sorts of things that help to even out those um, those hills and valleys, if you like, in your competition evenness? Yeah, and, and that's probably the number one thing that we get when we go out to, to the clubs and, and listen to the fans as well. Um, but uh, the metro zones are, are set up and we, we sort of tinker with those every um, every few years. Um, but country zones is something that we, we're uh, probably going to um, start the process of looking at now. And um, yeah, it, it's, it, there's no quick fix for this. Um, you know, the AFL has a draft which enables, um, I guess, that evenness of competition. And 
Um, what we have is, is player points, which were introduced about five or six years ago, and, and we believe they've had a bit of an impact. Um, we can play around with the salary cap to give a couple of clubs a bit more leniency or a bit more room um, in, in salary cap. Um, and they can all help. However, you know, we have to adjust that year on year um, or, or every couple of years to try and arrest some trends that we see. So the zones and where kids are coming from um, is the most important thing to get right. And um, I think one of our biggest challenges is, is the data around that. And you don't want to make decisions just on, on hearsay. You want to make them based on, on facts. And, um, you know, we, we don't currently have um, a good set of data on, on school football um, because it's not something that uh, we, we get access to. So we, we have to make assumptions. And you've got country kids coming down and boarding at, um, at these PSA schools and, and we don't necessarily have... We, we see them as their uh, as where they are in their PSA school, not necessarily where they're actually um, from originally. So there is a lot of work that we need to do on data before we start carving things up or, or looking at things. But um, the zones is definitely something that the clubs want us to look at, um, and, and that'll be part of the process. It's probably a, a quick and reasonably fair way of doing it, isn't it? Like if a kid's coming from the country, does it really matter whether he's playing at Claremont or Perth? Um, and also, it's interesting that Claremont has Albany as well as other clear advantages, and Perth has Northern, which is a you know basically just a Albany's like a small city, and 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 Northern's just a good sized country town. Really, it's a it's quite a contrast. Yeah, it is, and um, you know we we don't uh, we don't want to take away from the, the work that some of these waffle clubs do in their zones. Um, <clears throat> you know, they're, they're, it's excellent, and and you go out to the zones and. And the, the players out there, the families, they're full of praise on, on uh, the pathway. And, and I think that's the that's also one of our most important things is that from a football commission point of view, we want every kid, regardless of whether you're in the metropolitan area, um, regional area or even remote, to have an opportunity to develop your football. Um, so we need to make sure that our, our waffle clubs are, um, have the resources and have the ability to, to develop and, and find a pathway or develop a clear pathway through to waffle. And if there isn't one or, or they're not able to do it, then the football commission's doing that. So zones are, are really important for many aspects, not just waffle, but um, for football in WA. East Perth, is there a chance that we would see them shift to the the north northeastern corridor out to somewhere like Whiteman Park, try and replicate the move that West Perth has done so successfully to Joondalup? Yeah, look, I think the clubs are, um, we, we talk about that piece of relevance um, and, and relevance within your community, within your zone, in a metropolitan area. And um, that area is, is going to be growing. Um, there's, there's no doubt about the infrastructure that the government are putting out there is, is significant because that's where growth corridors are. So uh, I think it's important for East Perth and all of our clubs to have a real presence in, in their growth markets. And um, you know that Whiteman Park area is going to be one for East Perth. So whether we can get a facility and, and, and work with the government and East Perth to get a facility out there that actually is a um, one where their, their juniors actually start playing and, and is recognised as an East Perth facility, and you know later down the track if if, uh, if the growth is there, then you know I think that that would be a great option for for clubs to start to sort of get out of the the metro area and, and a bit more. Um, into some of those areas where uh, there's lots of population and lots of kids. And, uh, you know, we saw it with Joondalup. It was probably an unpopular decision at the time, but, uh, you know, they've got some of the biggest junior football clubs on their doorstep now and uh, they're reaping the rewards for that. Yeah, and they're a club that's been able to absorb the lack of a a, a, a really big country zone and, and 
more than make up for that with the the numbers they've got in their local um, the metropolitan zone, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely, and they do it really well. They're, they're very engaged with their um, junior clubs up there, and um, you know they they sort of aren't aren't a club that uh, um, are saying we've got some issues in in uh, the our country zones, even though their country zones are probably um, probably have lower populations than Perth's do, but they've got a really strong metro zone that's that's fueling their club. They've got a great history of, of actually developing their players coming through their system and through their resis and, and into league. And um, you know, it's probably a great example of how to engage really well with with your metro um, zone and your junior clubs and and uh, get a really good feeling around uh, development and a pathway into the waffle system. Now, one of the aspects that you briefed the clubs on was the fact that your financial arrangement with the government for shifting from Subiaco Oval to Optus Stadium comes up for review in 2027. There is the potential, it's not an uh, inevitability, but there is the potential that you may suffer a cut in that money because it's about how much money football generates at the stadium. How much of a concern is that and how... What measures do you have to track what football is generating out of the stadium um, to know how you're tracking in terms of maintaining that? Um, and I, I would say that this, to me, is a stadium user agreement and not a government grant, which I think the government has quite disingenuously tried to paint it as. But but how do you make sure that football is generating the money to maintain that uh, income? Yeah, it, it's a it, it is a big point uh, within the football commission. Um, you know, it makes up about a third of our revenue, um, our state government grant. So, it, it's it's really vital, and and uh, we flagged it with the clubs to say, you know, it's not uh, it's not a given, it's not doom and gloom, but it is on the radar, and we need to prepare for it for any change to that. So, the, the agreement um, states that uh, you know it'll never we, we can never increase it. Um, it, it may be diminished if uh, there's a formula there that shows that um, football isn't generating the sorts of money that um, is needed to cover that um, arrangement um, at Optus Stadium. So we we need you know, we need West Coast and and Frio flying. We need good crowds there. Um, we need their members turning up and, and good corporate sales etc. Um, to really generate that money through football. Um, but yeah, it, it's an ongoing discussion. I mean, there's, a, there's a formula there that's being used. Um, we, we have difference of, it, of opinion on, on how that formula or the intent of that formula, how it's made up. So um, we're in the, I guess, review stage at the moment to, to see how it's going. We just need to have ongoing dialogue with, um, with the state government around that. Just so hopefully in, in 2027, when it is the first of the reviews, um, that there is no impact to, to football in WA because uh, if there is, it's you know you're talking millions, potentially millions of dollars, which is which would have a significant impact not just on the waffle competitions but on football in WA in general. So uh, it's very very important to us to ensure that that's uh, you know maintained at the level it is. That is that a guarantee? And if football generates more, you get more, or is that the figure you get? How is that um, structured, Michael? Yeah, so it was, um, I guess it came about from um, when the stadium was set up um, and the compensation arrangement was, was valued at what um, at, a, at an amount that uh, the government and the Football Commission agreed on that was sort of fair as to uh, what Subiaco was generating for the Football Commission as operators of that. I mean, we had, a, so we had 75 odd years to go on that lease and, and gave that up so that um, football could be played at up the stadium um, and... 
Yeah, so it, it was at a base level. It goes up by, by CPI. Um, the agreement states that it, it will never be reassessed to, to increase. It will only keep going by CPI. And, um, yeah, the, the, the only uh, option really for us is uh, a negative one, um, which is which is fine. We, we agree to that. Uh, we just need to make sure that it's maintained at that level and, and we can prove that football is generating the, the revenue that's required. I mean, it, it's all we've heard in the, last, in the first... Five years of, of the stadium is uh, is how fantastic it is, and it and it really is. Um, and we've had some wonderful crowds um, through football, and hopefully we can maintain those uh, in, over the next few years when the review actually really comes into uh, into force. How concerning is it then that West Coast, with the the massive injuries they've had and the performance they've had over the past two years, which is you know by and large been a product of injuries and COVID, how concerning is it that? your main generator of money, I guess, in the past is now um, vulnerable and, and may stay vulnerable for the next two years. Yeah, well, well, it's sort of a double hit to us because of the royalty arrangement that we have, um, which is effectively a profit share with our AFL clubs. So um, if West Coast are, are having some issues off-field and uh, that's impacting their... Uh, on-field, sorry, and, and that's impacting their off-field finances as well as the stadium and, and fans aren't turning up so it, it sort of hits us doubly but um, you know full credit to, to West Coast supporters I know they're, they're vocal and they're frustrated and uh, but they've still been turning up they've had you know, a number of 40 plus thousand crowds even when they're um, not uh, not putting in the best performances um, through injury um, on the field but I think the, the, the positive thing also is is the performance and the growth of Frio over the last couple of years and you know, they're starting to get some really good crowds as well. So it's evening out. Our ideal situation is both AFL clubs are flying and um, performing really strongly on field and off field. And, um, you know, that's when we start to see the, the flow and effect down to um, grassroots football through through the royalty arrangement and also through uh, some strength through um, the stadium deal as well. Are you confident the clubs will meet these challenges? And if they don't, are we in danger of losing waffle clubs? Oh, look, I think it's... Everyone, it's one of those things that everyone agrees to that we need to do something. The challenge will be what, and and making sure that everyone agrees. Because, like as you were talking about, like the zones, um, there are clubs out there that have real struggles in their zones, and, and the numbers just don't make sense to to provide that. Um, uh, I guess that that weight of numbers to develop players through a regional area. But then you'll get another club um, like a Claremont that's got a really strong area, and and they've actually spent a lot of time, a lot of resources in developing that because it's worth doing. So that's where the challenge is going to be. Um, clubs seeing that, you know, they're going to, they might have to give up something for the for the growth of the, the competition and it might be some rule changes or fixturing changes or whatever it is that, that clubs, a club might not necessarily agree with because they've got a niche market or they've, they've spent a lot of time doing something in, in one area. Um, but for the greater good of the competition, long-term future, um, there might have to be some changes. So um, as it stands at the moment, it, it's all been positive talk around, yes, we, we're into this. Um, I, I guess it's up to us to really make sure that we can um, we, we can continue to facilitate that discussion and, and really look at uh, every option and, um, and hopefully make some agreements develop a strategy and, and a long-term future that we all agree to and, uh, and aim, aim to get to collaboratively. Michael, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Good luck with it. I think uh, we all want a healthier WA football system 
and uh, a healthy financial ecosystem supporting that. So hopefully uh, there's some productive discussions and some real progress made uh, on this in the near future. Great. Thanks a lot, Mark. Michael Roberts, he is the CEO of the West Australian Football Commission. Big challenges ahead of them and the WA football system in the next few years. What do you think? You can have your say on the temper at Bedshed text line 0487 736 736 or you can call us on the open line 13 12 55. We'll take a break and we'll be back with more.